0: Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I am of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and it is great to be back doing the intro again this week. Uh, it's only been two weeks since I, you know, last did anything on the podcast, but it feels like so long ago. It feels, it feels like an age. I've, I've actually really missed the podcast while I've been away working. I very, very much missed it because I've not recorded any new episodes for about, I think probably a month, so... Obviously, we, we back up a lot of our episodes. We record in big bulks, so got plenty of great conversations to come out. Um, but I very much am looking forward to sitting down and recording some new interviews again soon. So I do miss it, but I'm very very much enjoying uh, working in Glasgow on a TV drama just now. It's crazy hours, but I'm I'm loving it. It's, it's been really good fun working with some uh, incredibly talented people, and I'm learning loads. So that's you know that's the main thing. And yeah, I'll hopefully be able to talk about this a bit more in some future episodes um, and share my experiences. But before I get into today's episode, I just wanted to to give Elliot a massive shout out for keeping on top of all the edits. He's been doing a lot of work recently because I've just not had the time. So much appreciated Elliot for his hard work in the edit as always. And also, I wanted to give a shout out to Naomi, who has been uh, running our social media for a few weeks while well, I've been away as well. Apologies, if I forgot your name wrong. and pronounced that name wrong. If you would listened to the podcast before, you all know. Terrible at pronouncing names, so very sorry for that. And But yeah, if you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. really appreciate the fact that you're listening every week and... I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as we enjoy making it. If you haven't caught on all our episodes, we have a, an ever-growing back catalog, so please be sure to go and check out some of our previous conversations as well. Some had some really, really great guests on so far, so make sure and check that out. And as always, if you can afford to support our Patreon page, there's a link to that in the show notes. Anything you can do to support the podcast as well by sharing us on social media, telling friends to listen, leaving us reviews on podcasting sites, all that stuff goes a long way and really, really helps us But without much further ado, it is time to introduce this week's guest. And speaking to us on the podcast this week is Fiona Liddell. And Fiona is a musician, she's a performer, uh, she has a podcast as well. And she's just done some amazing work uh, showcasing local artists and musicians and emerging creatives in particular as well. And just sort of helping shine a light on some of the amazing music around scotland and and worldwide it's just great and i think a lot of the work fiona does is very much in line with the sort of values that i sort of set out to create just get a real job so it was a it was a real joy to speak to fiona about her own music about the projects she'd be involved in about the local music scene and you know some of the amazing talent that's out there so thanks to fiona once again for chatting to us and yeah i hope you enjoy this week's conversation Hi, Fiona. How are you doing? Thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: No problem at all. Excited to be here.
0: Uh, so, Fiona, you are a musician. You're a performer. I've mean, done loads of stuff. I know you're a violinist. Mm-hmm. You play fiddle as well. You sing. You're like, involved in the Scottish music scene a lot. So you, you're a very good yep. person to have on the podcast. You do a lot of things.
1: Thank you. Yes, I do. I do too many things, some would say. I would definitely say do too many things yeah this last year with no gigs and stuff it's just kind of been trying to occupy my time a bit and just getting more involved in the scottish music scene seemed like a really helpful thing to do and it was something i was passionate about and excited about and i think the last year I've like met more musicians than I have in like 10 years of gigging I I think I've made so many new connections this year with people in the scene than I would have done otherwise
0: which is a quite incredible considering we're in a pandemic and it's great to see how people how people have done that it's amazing
1: it's mad yeah it's just it's suddenly just everyone needs that like that connectivity that we used to get I guess just going to gigs with our pals and stuff but now that that's gone and the internet's just kind of become a really good substitute for it and you can just get instant like again instant messaging people like this is a great song this is great this is amazing this band's amazing and it's just so quick and the fact that that's the new normal now i think is is good and hopefully we can carry on after the pandemic where you can just message a band you like and go yeah i really dig this or just and that's just normal there's no like weird competitive thing or I'm trying to get rid of the competitive thing as much as I can.
0: Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> I ha- I've really noticed that like particularly from the social media I've seen and stuff of, of you and, and like cover to cover and things like it's very, very supportive of other artists. It's all championing each other. It's not like, mm. you know, this is one singer they want to be successful. It's all like, you know, we're all in this together. We're all an industry yeah. together.
1: There's room for everyone. Yeah, because there was a, a huge habit I noticed on well, mainly like Facebook, which is, you know, dying anyway, but it was people just in these music groups just sharing like their new song or their new single and nobody really engaging with it or clicking on it or listening to it or engaging with the band. And I thought, well, something's good on here. We're all just shouting to the void. So what can we do to sort of actually be more of a community around this rather than just, you know, shouting, into absolute nothingness. So that's where the playlist kind of came from and the idea of building a platform that is like a good, like not safe space, but it's a good space for musicians to get feedback on their songs and hear other artists as well and sort of mesh all the different audiences together. So everybody who likes this band will then hear this other band they might like and just... Spreading it like a pandemic. (laughs) No,
0: it's amazing. It's a good, a good good analogy for it as well. (laughs) Yeah,
1: let's spread it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's been great as well. To, I mean, I think just in general, the creative industries have really, really done a good job of going online and connecting people. Like, I feel like it's been amazing. I mean, I'm the same. I feel like I'm connecting with so many people from doing this podcast. Like, would never have done, you know. Pre-pandemic, kind of, and so there is positives to take, which is great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been a actually a really, really to severe for connections, uh, even though I'm not gigging or anything. It's mad.
0: Pros and cons, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But we'll come on to speak more about the pandemic and your music and like cover to cover and stuff shortly. But I'd like mm-hmm. to start the podcast, I sort of asking all our guests, like, what is your earliest sort of creative memories? Do you remember like when you first got into music and stuff?
1: I always kind of come back to when probably. Singing him because I'm an only child, so like quite lonely childhood of being in my bedroom with my Walkman or a CD player and sing along to stuff like Steps and Venga Boys and stuff like that. So, probably my earliest creative memory is embarrassingly enough, like taking their albums and like making up stories along with them and creating kind of like films in my head, I guess, as I sang along to these different songs and sort of made a thread through just you know a steps album or something and then probably the next one would be when i got the chance to learn violin i remember being really excited about being able to you know read and play music and that was yeah i think i was about eight i think and i came home just really excited that i was going to learn this new skill and then soon realized violin takes a good while to make sound good so i had to you know get over that disappointment quite quickly
0: persevere (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and then my dad taught me some guitar and i started and he encouraged me to start writing songs as well so i started doing that probably around 11 or 12 yeah and then it's just kind of gone up from there really i've just kept writing songs and kept music is basically just everything i do (laughs) it's the heart of everything i do from there
0: no that's amazing so like we got another sort of question which kind of ties into that one but it's a sort of about how where you're from it sort of Mm. had an influence on your creativity so you're you're from glasgow right originally yeah
1: I'm from from Clarkston which is like this is gonna be terrible for people who don't know the south side of Glasgow but like Clarkston is like near East Renfrewshire and Giffnock sort of area near Busby that's kind of where I grew up when I moved to Edinburgh when I was 17
0: yeah and how has that sort of influenced you? Do you feel like where you're from? And also Edinburgh as well, because I know you would lived here for a long time now, but mm-hmm. how has sort of growing up in that part of Glasgow influenced you? And now how does Edinburgh sort of affect you as a creative?
1: I think Glasgow for me, like especially the school where I was at as well, music was a really big deal back then. There was like all these like local orchestras and the RCS is there and that's what everyone was gunning for. When I was like in late teens, everyone wanted to go to the RCS, and then all these people did, and I didn't. So I was like, "Oh well, clearly I'm shit at this." Hi, can I swear at this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> I should yeah check that. You go for time. it. You go for it. Great. Don't worry. Yeah, great. All right. <laughs> all right, sorry, sorry, <laughs> my parents plan. are probably going to listen. Yeah, love, clearly music's not for me, and I'm terrible at this. But then applying to different uni courses and getting into Edinburgh and coming here and starting to do open mic stuff with just me, three chords and a capo basically in some random bar in the Cowgate and just meeting new musicians who weren't of that like you know polished classical standard but still were, were way more fun I'd say and way more creative than these people kind of could be so it's like a whole new like wheelhouse basically of music that I didn't really know about when I was in Glasgow and now coming through to Edinburgh it's like The best thing is if I hadn't found that, I probably would have stopped doing music at like 16 or found it much harder to keep going, basically.
0: That's that's amazing. That's really interesting as well. Like, I suppose there is always that thing in art in general and when like you have that's very like, traditional view of something which you know very polished and then you just have that sort of doing it for the fun of it thing which i think is actually better for most people's mental health anyway
1: yeah it's where you get all these like the new genres of music came through from just like picking different bits of other ones like if we just stayed with classical music for the last 70 years do you think we'd have got any of the great Like songs and bands that we have now because it's just, that's where you find the experimentation I think much more and the doing it for the hell of it sort of attitude, whereas the sort of high art classical stuff, it's really good and it's great for technique and it's impressive but it's quite separate from the kind of stuff we're doing now,
0: Mm. I think there's almost like an elitism to that sort of yeah. stuff where it doesn't feel like I feel like music is very accessible. But I feel like that type of music is almost inaccessible to, to the majority of people.
1: Yeah, there's um, my producer in Geffer Geist. Neil has a theory that like you know like Western notation of classical music was written to, and the th- music theory in general was basically created to make it as confusing as possible, so people who were illiterate back in the day couldn't play any of this stuff. So that's kind of where a very like nice way of sort of summing up the elitism that comes out in classical music sometimes
0: yeah no that, that's really interesting I like that actually mm-hmm. it's, I, I imagine probably true as well I wouldn't I wouldn't, doubt yeah.
1: that. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past it to be honest yeah because yeah. I was like I went to West Africa years ago and like everyone there it was me and a bunch of American kids and we were all learning these like traditional Ghanaian songs and the guy who was teaching it like we were trying to write it down in notation and he just slapped the notepad out of our hand and be like no you've got to learn it you've got to memorize it and then you got to pass it on that's what we do here and like just having that be such a different world of notation and everything was crazy
0: <laughs> no that is really that's that's interesting and it's, it's amazing also to see how other cultures like sort of interpret music as well i imagine
1: it's, it's kind of like scottish folk music as well that was all mm. word of mouth like all these tunes that are from way 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 back like 14th century sort of stuff that's all just from people passing around families and just having a drink and getting the fiddle out and played yeah. a song about uh, I don't know how bad English people are or something I don't know but like, <laughs> <laughs> probably learn, yeah probably he'll just learn <laughs> it and keep going through generations and stuff so folk music is a pretty cool place for there's an
0: amazing form of storytelling folk music is yeah yep. one of the most classical storytelling forms especially in Scotland uh, well that sort of that segues nicely to the next question which is sort of about how like do you have a favorite word or phrase from where you're from
1: oh oh uh, from where I'm from Glasgow
0: It could just be from Scotland
1: to be There's so (laughs) many. There's so many. It's probably doofer, which is going to be a controversial choice because a lot of people don't know what doofer is and people who I've lived with hate that I call it a doofer, but I quite like that contention. It's just, it started as a word for just a thing you can't remember the name of and then that's just become a remote now for the telly. (laughs) Pass me the doofer. I just like that. It just feels very unique. That or or turn the big light on. That's also a good sort of phrase from where I'm from. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I quite like Dofer. I, I would accept differ, it. Aye. I. feel like every, it's like the one that m- the most, like I think the most words for something is a remote, like it has the most meanings or something in English. Yeah. It's crazy. It has,
1: like, yeah, it's, it's like controller, remote, Dofer. Some people call it like a, a pusher, or a clicker. Clicker yeah. as well. That's another one.
0: My late granddad called it the gun, which I loved. He used <laughs> to call it the gun, which is really weird. He'd be like, pass with a gun, Jamie. I'm like, all right, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's really weird.
0: I know. But all right. A, yeah, there you go. That's
1: fine. <laughs> no that's a, a good
0: answer so if you, just to sort of wind back quite a while for you so when you were in like, a teenager in high school and stuff like what was like you sort of talked about going for Denver but, like was that when you decided I'm going to go to Napier to do it was a popular music you did
1: yeah yeah it's popular music in the end well yeah I did I sort of didn't think I'd really at that point in like sixth year I was going through like a lot of stuff like I was in a really intense there was an abusive relationship with someone so that was kind of clouding everything else like future views were just not There, it was all about. I was just fully in this world of this relationship, basically. So, just choosing stuff for uni was just not on my mind. So, I picked the most random stuff like to go and audition for. But I did pick RCS, having again just no preparation for it really at all, and having everybody else basically go and get in. It was not on my mind at all. And I went in, played a piece I'd played like maybe twice before, and got a rejection email on the way home. And I think that kind of sealed the deal of being like, Cool, this isn't for me. I'll stop. <laughs> but then the Napier thing popped up because I was going to go to Strathclyde. Or I was going to audition for Strathclyde's Applied Music course, which was very similar to the Napier yeah, one. Yeah. But that shut down like the year we all went to apply for it. So it was Edinburgh or nothing, basically, at that point. So... I went along to Napier on the audition, and again thinking I'm not going to get in here. This is terrible because like they give you a theory test before you go in as well, and I was totally classically trained. And they were shoving stuff like blue scales in there and modes, and I was like, I don't know what any of this means. Yeah. I'm just going to cry in the stairway and go home, basically. But luckily, they listened to my like first EP that I did when I was about 15, and I'd had I'd scored it all out classical style, even though it was just guitar and terrible like twangy vocals and stuff wrote it all out and they said yeah there's something here you can come to napier if you do this or this or something so yeah that was kind of the the changing point when i was a teenager and that also gave me going to edinburgh gave me the escape out of that sort of relationship and gave me an actual future away from it so i think yeah there's many many reasons i'm thankful i came to edinburgh (laughs) basically
0: yeah and sort of did you how did you find the course there like how was your popular music degree
1: Yeah, it was really fun I met a lot of great people and I learned a bunch of stuff about how to make music in 21st century basically that I didn't know before because I was used to I was like just recording songs like with my laptop mic in like Windows Movie Maker and I was like that's great <laughs> and that was all I knew about it whereas going to Napier there's so much stuff about production and recording stuff properly and I did composition so I eventually got to learn what blue scale and modes and all that stuff actually was and how it's useful when you're when you're writing songs or when you're sort of reviewing songs as well, you can notice different things. The main thing I took from Napier was probably the people I met though, like Ben, like Rufus, he was in that course. Yeah. And Neil, the producer of Geffergeist was in that course in a couple of years above. And yeah, also my husband Sam was in the course a couple of years above me as well. So yeah, the oh, people amazing. I met there yeah was was definitely the main takeaway from that
0: and of course rufus was a guest on episode 20 of the podcast so if you haven't listened to that go back and check that out because there's a another crossover because you're actually at the same wedding band the apollos so
1: we are yep yeah, apollos napier alumnus um <laughs> unite basically i think the agency has got a system now where they'll just like sort of scope napier popular music graduates to be like come join this wedding band but um <laughs> <laughs> Pre-pandemic, it was a it was basically my main source of income, and it was it's just really fun just getting to travel up and down the country, go to posh venues, and and play people's yeah, like the, the, play the biggest dates of people's lives. Really, it's amazing. Yeah,
0: and of course, yeah. hopefully, the weddings will be sort of opening back up more and more soon. and you can, get, oh. you can get back doing that. It should be good. <sighs>
1: That'd be so nice. Yeah, like <laughs> but imagine a Kaylee right now. It's still oh. not really.
0: I know. I miss, I'd miss. i love to go to, I didn't even go to many Cayleys, but I really yeah. want to go to a Cayley. <laughs> like I want to jump yeah. around to some Scottish traditional music and just go I mad.
1: <laughs> God, I'd, yeah, I even miss like the worst part of it was like sort of calling the dance. I even miss doing that and seeing everybody bump into each other and it taking ages. I miss all that stuff. It's yeah.
0: So a lifetime ago. Um, <laughs> 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 no, it's it's great that you, you know, got to meet all these people at Napier and learn all these stuff. But um, so when you graduated, did you suddenly go into the wedding band? Were you doing other projects? Like how? what sort of things were you getting up to then?
1: I was kind of, when I left uni, I was working in a bar called The Waiting Room in Morningside. So I was mainly doing that, really, and just sort of working and, and writing. And that was kind of it. I wasn't releasing anything. I've barely released any of, like, my own stuff under my own name. But I was just, yeah, just doing that in my spare time, going to open mics still. I was playing in my husband's band Echo Birds as well. That, that, that was kind of, like, what we were doing on the weekends. But apart from that, not really that much. So it was very much, like, music was kind of the most, like, hobbyist it was probably the most the most of that time I probably saw music as being a hobby rather than like something I actually wanted to do and then Ben at some point started the wedding band and asked me to come along and audition for it Uh, I think maybe a year after we left I don't know maybe I don't know yeah but (laughs) eventually the gigs picked up and stuff like that and we were able to just yeah go out and do that and I was actually able to just quit all jobs and just do gigging and teaching and writing and that was yeah an amazing point to just be like No, I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to just do the music thing full time, basically. And if I lose all my money, it's fine. At least I'm happy.
0: exactly which is you know what this podcast is all about you know just doing what you actually love and not worrying about the social pressure of it like you know the stigma being poor I'm sure most of my guests can relate to as well you know it's not the most financially (laughs) stable career to work in the arts but you know it's you know we do it because we love it so
1: yeah I will say I'm really lucky with the wedding band and with teaching as well like those especially teaching over the last year has been um, an amazing source of like being able to keep doing this and not go stack shelves and an Aldi or something, (laughs) it's been really nice.
0: And actually speaking of Ben He said something really interesting In his episode Which was great advice Which is just if, you, And he said especially for musicians But if you can find a job That you're sort of doing what you do But it's not what you maybe want to do But it's like you know Things that you enjoy still As mm. your paid income It makes a hell of a difference Which I think is definitely true
1: I think so too Yeah I think that's good words from Ben Because yeah He was doing A lot of wedding band. He was like teaching gymnastics Or something like that And now I think he's trying to uh, He's got his own website Sorry where he's selling beats To like filmmakers yeah. I guess And like and Singers, and, and that's an amazing sort of leap for him, I think. So, yeah, more yeah, power for doing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's great to see how people sort of use their imagination almost to like, yeah, sort of, and use their creativity. It's, it's brilliant to see, yeah. Uh, but the, I've got, I mean, there's a load of stuff to ask you, Vera, because you, I know you're so involved in the scene and you do so many things. So, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't really know where to start, but let, let maybe talk about your lockdown album you brought out last year.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that that was the first time I released any of my own stuff really yeah that's yeah let's talk about that so (laughs) that was a request I got so the album came from like a live stream gig I did on Facebook which I was supposed to do a gig before the pandemic started for this compilation album called Lassie's Elise so just like one of my songs was just gonna be on it and the the Lassie doing it had an idea of like putting on a big gig in Leith Depot or something and then obviously everything shut down and she was like cool we're gonna do it as a live stream everyone does an hour and I was like I don't have an hour of stuff, I don't know. But then my husband Sam just sort of said, look, it's okay, we'll work out with piano and we'll rehearse it loads and we've got a month and a half, it'll be fine. And then the day came, we did it and it didn't go too badly actually, it was all right. And I listened back to it and it was like, yeah, there's some fuck-ups and stuff, but like it's a live album it's fine and also I'm super out of practice so just decided to stick it up on streaming platform places and it kind of gave me that was my first sort of insight to seeing like people like punting out their releases and not engaging with everybody else's stuff and seeing the community sort of be quite separate and quite isolated for everybody and that's when I decided to do the playlist thing afterwards and go like right we need to actually talk about each other's music and actually listen to it and be fans of each other rather than just being like here's my shiny new thing. (laughs) basically so the album was good the album did kickstart this whole scottish community building thing that i'm doing now but the album itself i completely forgot about yeah yeah that was last june i think yeah and that was the first time like releasing my own material and i think that's given me a lot of confidence as well to be like yeah you're actually you're not too bad at this you're okay
0: (laughs) it's always helpful to think that (laughs) But no, I was it's listening. Blandies. I was l li- yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. L- lots of them. But no, I was I was listening to some of the album earlier this morning when I was preparing for this and there was oh, yeah, some nice, some like nice yeah. smooth songs on it. So I thought it sounded good so thank
1: you
0: good Good, good work so
1: good that's what I'm I'm sort of advocating for is more people being able like to just listen to a song go yeah I like that or that could be better or something like that just more constructive feedback more just yeah yeah, again just listening to each other's stuff is what I want to happen so thanks for checking it out I know you had to for this no (laughs) this is one of my favourite things about
0: doing this is getting to research people and and watch their stuff and listen to their stuff and you know and I love it it's great you find new things I've got loads of Spotify Like you know I'm
1: like, oh nice nice um, <laughs> obviously
0: cool. not actually had as many we not had a lot of musicians on the podcast maybe three or four so it's always good All to right. sort of get more on and speak to them mm-hmm. and obviously you're very very connected to the scottish scene so i actually have a, a sort of question about that which mm-hmm. is just sort of like where do you think scottish music's at in particular not just in scotland the uk as well but obviously because we were both based here it's, it's interested. like sort of where you feel scotland's at musically
1: I think it's sort of invading, which sounds, uh, no, I mean, it's invading down south, like from what I see from releasing stuff with Geffergeist now, the the north of England are, are super into the amount of Scottish acts that are releasing music right now, like yesterday was probably one of the biggest and most exciting days for indie Scottish artists in a couple of months, because like so many bands are releasing good music just online, no gigs booked, know nothing and they're still able to put out like really exciting music so I think we're sort of growing I hesitate to use the word more independent as a Scottish as a community sorry as a music community and as a scene it feels like it's actually getting arms and legs now becoming its own thing and other places like north of England and and Ireland and places like that they're kind of taking notice of it now and you've got way more like Scottish music playlists than ever before on Spotify just made by people who want to support it basically and they all yeah. are super popular so i think it's it's starting to grow up a lot and it's starting to be really accessible to lots of people and some really great music's coming out of it if that makes any sense yeah no
0: that's that's amazing to it's hear.
1: maturing there we go
0: <laughs> it's maturing no that's great that's great and sort of in particular in Edinburgh and stuff, How, because how, a lot of people always go on about Glasgow being like where everything's at. But I know you have coming from Glasgow to live in Edinburgh. What do you feel about living in Edinburgh particularly? Do you think it's got to be a good music scene?
1: Not now, obviously. With of course. The <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> live music wise, Edinburgh's always been, yeah, <laughs> a bit funny with it. Like live music in Edinburgh, from what I remember, there was like lot there's lots of small venues and there's lots of massive venues and not really much in between. So there's not much of an option. There's a huge open mic scene in Edinburgh which is really cool because they all again it's like a little family. Everyone knows everybody and everyone yeah sits and listens to everybody else's stuff and that whole scene is super supportive in terms of live gigs that are like put on with a lineup and stuff still a a bit of a problem with things like dodgy promoters and pay to play is a very big thing in edinburgh from what i remember as well so needing sorted i think for edinburgh in terms of live music in terms of the bands that are releasing music just now like in this Mm -hmm. year again it's like they're sort of invading other places a lot of them are playing festivals on like doing the rabbit hole and other scottish festivals and also playing some stuff down south so i think again it's just growing and spreading a bit because Edinburgh's not gonna host it apparently because it's just got no venues that are suitable for these bands so yeah they're sort of drifting away and going to different festivals and stuff and it's exciting to see so yeah edinburgh live music bad Edinburgh band's good
0: I think you summarized that very well there yeah cool just like (laughs) yes no (laughs) no it was good no no then we wouldn't have any No, this is you know wouldn't wouldn't, yeah that's
1: true we wouldn't have
0: have any conversation you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what the people want
1: yeah they want that yeah
0: Hello, it's Jamie and Elliot here I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job I just wanted to remind you guys that If you're enjoying the podcast Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow So please, if you can Share us on social media Tell your friends and family to listen You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help So anything you can do to help us grow this project Is very much appreciated We do appreciate your support as always And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast We also have a Patreon page Where you could donate as little as much as you wish, you can access this by going to www.patreon.com/slash. Just get a real job. So, thank you very much again for all your support, and you can also find a link to the Patreon page in the show notes. But anyway, now back to today's show. Well, I actually have—we'll talk about cover to cover in a second—but I have some sort of fun questions to, for you, which, like, I love to <laughs> I love asking, like, I love writing these questions for, like, whatever people I'm speaking to on the podcast. But the first one is: Who are like your biggest musical influences?
1: You think I'd have an answer to this? already
0: it's a hard question probably
1: it's hard yeah uh, probably people like Sean Colvin and Mary Chapin Carpenter Joni Mitchell just loads of like female singer songwriters that my dad would play on like long car journeys and stuff that's the first I kind of mm. that's the first music I remember hearing apparently my parents would lock me in the car if I was crying and just stick on Enya like stuff like that <laughs> so I think in terms of having this because I do do a lot of harmony stuff and quite high up stuff and creating sort of textures and paths in my voice I think Enya yeah, is probably to blame for that whole thing and yeah like the interesting thing with like things like cover to cover is sort of having going from this point of hearing loads of female singer songwriters and not really seeing that as being weird if that makes sense that mm. women were at the the front of these bands and stuff and then going into it as an adult and just suddenly the sort of sheen comes off and i realise it's actually not that normal to have like a female front woman or mm. or anything like that in like a rock band so yeah it was weird Sort of reality check to come to Edinburgh and see barely any women performing on stage with other women or being the lead singer or playing other th- anything other than, and I know I'm guilty of this, violin or something like that. A girly instrument.
0: Uh. <laughs> Well, you know, just since you sort of mentioned that there, that's actually an interesting question. But, like, how do you feel as a woman in the in the music industry? And, and where do you think it is sort of at in terms of, you know, equality for women and, like, you know, female artists getting more of the opportunities to sort of play and things? Because there's a lot of great female artists, like, especially in Scotland, like, you know, Katie mackie I really liked some of her music. Yeah, there's loads of good music, stuff. Yeah. So,
1: for me, I think this year is, yeah, at the end of last year, the Facebook group called Pop Girls, which has a lot of the really prominent female Scottish artists in mm. there they looked on the Spotify playlist on Spotify and saw, like, basically wall-to-wall male artists or fully male bands, and some of them had, like, more than one song in there, and they sort of looked at this and was like, this is crap, this is not a fair representation of the female artists that are in this country. And then Mm. from that to thinking back to the last 10 years of gigging, and I think I could probably... Count the amount of times I've been with another woman on stage on like one hand, like that's not amazing. And just yeah. little stuff like just mild microaggressions at gigs and stuff. Like, if I'm carrying, I like if I go if I'm going into a gig and loading in with a band, I like I'd make sure to have some kind of equipment with me so the bouncer doesn't just immediately ID me and try and chat with me whilst I'm trying to load in stuff. So I'm carrying a symbol or I'm carrying a bass or something to sort of shield myself from that and yeah. also shield myself from like just unwanted attention, like going into a busy and you basically so little stuff like that so it's difficult and it's the last few months with international women's history and everything mm-hmm. happening in March and there was a lot of stuff going around about just inequality of women in loads of places and I think I just sort of look back and realized the amount of stuff that I've just kind of internalized as not being an issue and then this kind of yeah. all to the surface and I was like oh actually it's pretty hard it's pretty difficult and I have to do a bunch of stuff that the guys don't have to do to do the same job so yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's come to the surface recently. I think there are places, there are lots of really good organisations for women in music now that weren't didn't exist a year ago. Like Henhouse is great. Power of Scotland is a great like membership service, and they give money to female artists who want to like produce their own song. That's amazing, and I'm, I think they're on Patreon, so that's a good one to check out. And obviously the F list, which is just a huge yellow pages of everybody, basically, who's a female musician in any area in Scotland that you can look up. And obviously Scottish Women Inventing Music, who are the the main charity that cover to cover was for they are just a great like research resource as well And they hold yeah. loads of workshops for women So it's it's a Google away basically To be able to find help now Which is great because it wasn't that when I was younger Definitely. So I think yeah loads more help Is being provided and loads more support Which is great to see but there's really? still issues with like clubs And stuff.
0: Oh thank you very much for uh, that Answer Fiona I appreciate it. like how open You were being about your experiences as well And um, I mean thank it's just you. a good thing to talk about I know I said I was going to ask you some fun questions and then I started
1: Yeah I was yeah. <laughs> That's I not but, very
0: you know, fun man I said, You know segue <laughs> into that, feel like, you know what, I'll ask you about Cover to Cover now and then we'll, we'll okay. continue on with the fun ones just because it feels like yeah. a more apt place to talk about it because it sort of ties into that. So tell, tell the listeners about the amazing projects you've been doing at Cover to Cover.
1: So it started off kind of inspired by that statistic from pop girls of I think it was like 68.5% of the artists on the Scottify playlist, which is like the main... Scottish playlist on Spotify by like the editorial whatever, and myself and Naomi sat down and were like, "Cool, what can we do to sort of start working with other female musicians and and help in some way?" So that's when we came up with Cover to Cover, and it's uh, we managed to find thirteen incredible female and non-binary artists from all over the country, or some who had lived here and moved away, whatever it was, and they all gave me one of their songs and I had to assign another artist in that group to cover it and sort of make this chain of, like, female artists covering each other's yeah. songs. And I, didn't, I don't know why I thought that wouldn't be a lot of work. I was like, I'll just assign them and that'll be fine. And, yeah, I think what's happened as a result is, like there's now like 13 artists who are all now just being more supportive of each other and they feel like they're in this, this sort of like special oh, yeah. little family, which is really cool. And whenever any of them are releasing anything, everyone of everyone in that group is sharing it. And yeah, it's just a really nice little loving support network now that we've got going, which is great.
0: That's amazing to hear about it as well. And it's like, you know, I know it's been keeping you really busy. I imagine as well. Yep. It's, yeah, it's a great <laughs> 13 class, weeks. Man. I know. <laughs> It's just like content, I've been following it a little bit on social media as well. It's like credible amount of work. So you are yeah. you're grafting away, <laughs> which
1: is good. Very time consuming, but that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted a project to like eat up the time before gigs and this really worked. Yeah, this was great. And I was able to yeah make like 12 new friends it was great
0: was brilliant and do you think like is this something you're going to keep working on as well and like do you think it'll go pl- other places it's not like just a one-off thing
1: we're hoping to maybe make it annual and maybe do it on a slightly smaller scale uh, yeah, next year yeah. rather than 13 artists <laughs> like probably yeah it's
0: a lot
1: <laughs> like eight would be fine seven or eight would be grand and maybe pick a different um, charity next year see if there's something else we can give money to and we might be setting up like its own separate channels and stuff so cover to cover will be a separate thing from my own like personal or business social media basically so that's the plan we're gonna talk about what we can do differently next year at some point so we'll make a plan we'll announce it at some point but currently the plan is another one next year but maybe not this long maybe a bit shorter
0: but we'll, i mean we'll link all the cover to cover stuff in the show notes and people can go and like look for and get involved it's a great project uh, so absolutely well done for doing that as well but i'll i'll let you get back to the fun questions now if you want oh uh, yeah more, i mean they might not they might for... not be fun i mean i i'm just I, they're fun to me i'm just you know they might not be fun to you <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep What's that your name
1: darkest in. memory <laughs> oh. i don't know
0: <laughs> all right well the, we'll start with this one which is uh, if you could have written any song from history what would the song be which is a really hard question
1: that is well hard probably the one that I remember sort of connecting to the most when I was younger which is probably uh, so boring it's blue by Joni Mitchell which is really great, cool. song. It's a joy. It's a great it's a great song, song. it's a great song it's so good I've shown it to everyone who hasn't heard it it's one of the ones that I just yeah it's just like it feels like a very like So connected to that song In some weird way I can't really explain But it's just been a soundtrack At various points in my life So it's just kind of A nice thread And also just Joni Mitchell's incredible So oh, that there's that <laughs> You know I've been To sea before
0: Crown and anchor me or oh, let me i like that one it's good cool i'm glad uh, <laughs> not <laughs> that it
1: 500 miles or something you know? oh.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: wish people didn't write that song sorry
0: <laughs> i know well, you have to play that one a lot of wins i'm sure do you not miss it now yep. though do you not miss that one now that you've kind of been away or even a year and a half like
1: no i don't no i don't miss that i don't miss <laughs> that song i hate that yeah. song no
0: So overplayed. The ones I
1: miss are like the ones that we picked as a band because we like the songs. So like Sledgehammer, I miss playing Sledgehammer a lot. (laughs) That's a great song. That can stay, we can just play that for five hours. That's fine, I'll never get sick of that. But 500 Miles can get in the bin. That and Dignity by... um, Deacon Blue, get in the bin.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, dignity's like uh, those two songs that are just like
1: ship. Yeah.
0: every every single Kaylee or like blooming yep. Scottish event. Basically, they just have they have to go. on. It's
1: like, on. Yeah, I think I saw Deacon Blue live at like a New Year in like 2009. Maybe I was super young, and it was just yeah <laughs> the weirdest gig because everyone obviously was older and knew what was going on. And they were all having a mad time, and I was just a tiny child not sure what was happening this
0: is on a lot
1: (laughs) yeah this is happening a lot they're playing that same song again okay (laughs) run rigs all right though that because we don't play it we just play over the speakers when we're packing up so that's kind of got a positive memory of like oh we've finished our shift it's great let's go
0: my mum and dad are obsessed with run rig they love them (laughs) they love them for like my mum used to go and see them when she was at uni in norwich in the 80s and stuff and i'm like what (laughs) there you go mum. there's a shout out for you (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. I don't know any other run rig songs actually. I just know that one. I don't know. Any. I'm sure they've had I'm sure they've done a plethora of great music, but that's the one everyone knows. Yeah, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're decent. <laughs>
0: yeah i've never really
1: Sorry, really month. listened
0: to them either to be honest if you know yeah. no, the one the big one but uh, that's about it yeah well another one which are, is is do you have like because i know we sort of spoke about venues earlier but do you have a favorite venue that you got the chance to play at uh,
1: or see or see a, like, or see a gig or... At,
0: or see a gig at like just the right. venue you'd either played or been to a gig at like do you have a favorite
1: venue basically was the oh there's so many um
0: you chuck a few, in if you want,
1: yeah, I was going to say I've got loads that are coming to mind, but none that I'm like, oh, I definitely want to play there. The first one that came to mind was the caves in Edinburgh, just because it looks just gorgeous. It is it's very like a, nice. It's, it's made in the vaults, so it's just like all like stone bricks and stuff like that, and it's got they do candles sometimes for weddings as well. That sort of just dripping right onto the pillars and stuff. Mm. It does look really cool. I played there a few years ago, and it was good for like small bands. It was it was fine for, but I did a couple of weddings, and I've seen. People like Loyal Carner there and stuff like that. And the sound the bigger the yeah, the bigger the sound gets, the more you kinda lose, especially in the higher up bits. So acoustics wise, it's kind of okay for small scale bands, but the busier and higher up it goes, the more cushioned the sound is. It's really tall as well, so it just loses a bunch of the stuff in the middle, weirdly. But it's a beautiful venue. Other ones, probably I like the Queen's Hall. Theatre Very know, right? nice
0: that's a Very nice one. Venue yeah.
1: yeah That one's probably top notch I saw Sufjan Stevens there And I saw Richard Thompson there And both of those Like one's huge Like one's got a huge orchestra With them and stuff And one's just Richard Thompson with a guitar And they both sounded Just bang on Absolutely perfect Dream venues though That's the thing probably like my husband's dad is a ski journalist and he does a lot of press strips and shows on oh, cool. occasionally and there's lots of fun apres ski gigs like it's just a random bar in a random part of the Alps where there's just a DJ that's cool some though last... yeah it's just some last singing and that looks like it's really fun especially when everyone's just all like kitted out in ski gear and just jumping on the tables and stuff it just yeah it sounds really really fun and they host like games and events competitions and there's foam and stuff yeah that's a mad time I'd like to try that <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a venue, it's more local. No,
0: shit. that's yeah. cool though. I like that you'd given yeah. some, like, I like that you'd just given some not unusual venues, but like maybe less known venues. That's which just, sure, you know, yeah. it's more interesting. And because Queen's Hall is great, like, I guess on mm-hmm. Billy Bragg there, just with a good time. Oh,
1: nice, yeah. Really
0: cool, really nice. Very political, I think, gig because of obviously the music he makes and stuff, but mm-hmm. it, the sound carried so well there, so it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed that. It's
1: walking around there, you can just hear it. It's just like basically, yeah a really perfect sound all around it. It's a really, really well-designed venue, I guess. Whereas the opposite of that, I guess, would be something like, what is it, the Hydro? I've seen yeah. Like two gigs there and clearly I've just been in a bad spot both times because both times I was like this just sounds muffled and crap. I don't know
0: I've what's never I I totally get what you mean. I've been to quite a few yeah. gigs at the Hydro. I, I feel like there's something I don't know what it is. It just never seems to I've never really had a good gig at the Hydro and I've been to maybe no. 7 or 8. Yeah. It's so
1: it's so weird it sounds kind of tinny in some places and then very like chewed out in the middle or something and then maybe it's just the addition of bodies because it was kind of it was supposed to be designed to be the best venue for acoustics and then whenever I've gone there I've just left being like, that's, yeah, not ideal. Like, Queen's Hall's much better. <laughs> that's way <laughs> older.
0: A lot cheaper as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot cheaper as well. It's fine.
0: No, I always prefer a smaller gig, if I'm honest. And was something more intimate yeah. about it. Do you feel that as an artist, do you prefer playing an intimate gig or do you, have like, have you played bigger gigs? In fact? what do you prefer?
1: I think if you asked me, like, a year ago, I would have said I'd much prefer smaller gigs because for me, like, the idea of doing a big gig in front of a big audience was really intimidating. And I'm not the best like public speaker. I'm not like a performer performer. I'm not like this most like overconfident, charismatic person in the world. i will just kind of do my job and that's yeah, it. Yeah. I'm very much I should have played bass really to be honest. I should have just sat at the back, not doing anything. But now I think with the last year with the amount of people I've met and the amount of friends I've made and the amount of social media stuff I've done and just talking in videos and podcasts and all this stuff, my confidence just as a as a person has really grown. That's so I great. think now If you stuck me in like front of the festival, I'd probably be okay. I'd handle it better than I would have done a year ago. So I think, in general i probably still prefer smaller gigs because it just feels a bit more intimate and a bit more like like a So Far Sounds gig. I like them because it's just people just sit in someone's living room and just (laughs) playing music. I like that, but also I probably would be up for trying a bigger gig at some point as well.
0: No, that's just great. I know it's amazing that your confidence has grown as well. I think a lot of people have been, you know, I think it's good for listeners to hear people being open and honest about how they feel in things and like, because you know, not everyone who's a performer is naturally comfortable doing it they nope, still love yeah. it but it's difficult like you know I didn't ever think I'd be chatting to people I'd never met before on zoom and doing a podcast yeah. but like you become comfortable in it and you become confident in it. so it's you know it's good yeah, to have adapt, that yeah um, well I have one more question from a sort of what I build is the fun questions but I know I don't just stop saying the word fun Jamie come on
1: no fun at all we get it.
0: <laughs> but it's just if you could tour with anyone in the music industry at the moment who would you like to sort of go on tour with
1: I'd like to... Well, uh, yeah, again, it's difficult with the pandemic. Who's got tours happening?
0: Obviously, in this magical, <laughs> hypothetical question, the pandemic yeah. isn't here and everywhere is open and gigs are back and we're all happy. Yeah.
1: how happy is Larry? I think I'd probably like to do... So i played... Have you heard of Yokopono? They're like an electronic sort of... No, I band. haven't
0: actually. No. Yeah,
1: check them it's, out. Oh, it's Y-O-K-O-P-W-N-O.
0: Brilliant. So it's I'll, look in, I'll have a look at them.
1: But I stood in with, for their like lead fiddle player and singer a few times a couple of years ago. And those were like the maddest gigs I've ever played in terms of Edinburgh. Like we played Bongo Club and it was just the funnest, best atmosphere. Everyone was just dancing around, it was full of hippies, just hugging each other and shouting and it was so much fun. I'm not at a gig that, like that that was like that high energy in a long time. So I'd like to maybe tour with them because I, I know they do some exciting stuff up in Sky and yeah. they've got a bunch of festivals lined up as well. So probably yeah, Yokopono in terms of realistic options. I'd probably go for that. Unrealistic options. Quite like Half Alive, who are like a poppy electronic band. I quite like to of them, even though they're not really in this scene. They're more like Canadian scene. Or Parcels, who are a French band, just because I kind of want to go to France and their music's Sick as well, so yeah, yeah, those are three. No,
0: it's good. You're, I like that you're not just going for like obvious answers that, like, you know, like Massive ads. it's great that you're like sort of talking about sort of just like local things that are mm-hmm. personal to you and and, and sh- you know, plugging all these great acts as well, which is nice.
1: Yeah, just as many folk who could hear this stuff, the better because it's their music's fantastic. And like, no, it's great. Go, go to the gigs when you can because, yeah, it's when it comes back, it's gonna be mad. It's gonna be great.
0: Well, another thing I wanted to talk, ask you about was uh, your podcast you've been doing with Jack Hinks, who you also work with a lot. He's like one of your musical sort of collaborators, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's my musical wife, basically, at this yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, he's also now in the wedding band, so we've just applied you know, him <laughs> as nice. well. Yeah, and um, we started the podcast, again, just because we didn't really have... We were so used to gigging all the time together because we're, we're in an acoustic duo called, like, Hi-Fi Duo, and we used to do a mix of covers and original stuff just with fiddle and guitar and male and female vocals, and that was... Like our bread and butter when weddings were quiet or something, we'd go and do that. And yeah, just, again, just my best friend. So it was easy enough to get a podcast together with him. It gave us just, for the start of it, it was just kind of an excuse to to check in with him once a week and be like, how are we doing? And just, you know, have that sort of catch up thing and have it be also a bit helpful for musicians as well. Because we just chat about stuff that we moan about all the time when it comes to releasing music independently. And I think a lot of people have found it really helpful, especially the Submit Hub episode where we talk about musicians paying journalists to write yeah. reviews for you. And you can hear our thoughts on that on the episode. It's definitely our most popular one, I think. Yeah, that no, there's is.
0: some great resources on it, definitely, for musicians and stuff.
1: So it started off as just having a chat and then it became, let's, you know, try and help people who bother to tune in let's give them some advice yeah um, so it's it's, it's, it's
0: called line music isn't it someone like line that.
1: check line check. check yeah with jack and fee close enough you'll probably find it if you're looking at my stuff you'll see the amount of stuff i've got doing the stuff so just look through the stuff and find
0: <laughs> you're very busy you got lots of projects <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on <laughs> well I'll, I'll start wrapping things up in a second but i just have a few more questions for you one of them yeah. um, this is a new question i'm sort of going to start asking all my guests because i think it's a big part of this industry in the creative arts in general But so collaboration is obviously very important So I just wondered as an artist like What do you look for in a collaboration? What are like things you like about collaborating And what would you look for to collaborate with someone else?
1: I Probably the best kind of collaborations Are where you can both kind of learn from each other So if it's something that I want to do that, I'm not quite sure how to do it, and somebody else can do it for me or show me how. I like those collaborations. So, for instance, the the Geffregeist thing of me and Neil, Neil's ace at Ableton, and he's ace at composing these huge soundscapes, but he can't sing for shit, so I'm in there doing the lyrics and the melody, so that's Mm. us both taking the thing we're good at and sort of learning how to mesh it together and make something new out of it. So I'd say, yeah, pick people. Rather than... If someone's better than you, don't be like cool, I'll just never speak to them and I'll just hate them and myself and it'll be fine. Just, you know, message them and see if you can do a remix of their song or if you can write together or do a video together, whatever it is, or like do a gig together. The worst thing they can say is no. And you've reached out, so you've done your bit, so you can hate yourself a bit less if nothing else, so... Yeah, I'd say No that. it's
0: absolutely true as well And it's like I think something that comes up again and again Speaking to creatives on this podcast is It's not a competition all the time Like there's enough success for everyone And like you can truly work together And you can be happy You can celebrate other people's successes yeah. And then when people have down times You can support them and vice versa And I think that should be what we sort of try and make the norm
1: Yeah I think so too The cover to cover was kind of like that as well As like okay here's these different genres For different uh, female musicians doing different genres Let's try and see if we can if we tackle each other's songs, we'll learn how they write musically and how it compares to what we do. And I think, yeah, a bunch of them have done have taken their covers and done them sort of live now, or they've on live stream gigs, sorry, they're playing the covers. Or there was one case where I think Pinlight just put up an acoustic cover of one of her songs that was entirely like inspired by the cover she got back from the project. Just things like that where they're just swapping musicality or musical prowess bits and people are learning from each other. It's just that's like a perfect encapsulation of what i'm trying to talk about with collaboration basically and yeah that everyone can support and grow and learn from each other rather than no this is all my contacts and all my stuff and you don't get to see it no,
0: absolutely and it's you know it's a great it's a great i think it's just a much better way of approaching i think life in general i think as a society is a very <laughs> the individual, world yeah. yeah the world you know because it is like we're sort of maybe encouraged to be very individualist looking in things and like i think it's just really good to sort of have that community space and like work with other people and You know, Mm -hmm. I I think it can bode well for you know life in general as well as artistic projects.
1: Yeah, if you're not just if you're on an island by yourself and the bad days are like way worse, so like exactly being connected to everybody else is so much better.
0: Absolutely. Fiona, we like to ask sort of everyone that comes on the podcast, like what's the sort of worst real job you'd had to sort of work to support your art or like ever had to just sort of work in general? Because obviously we all have to pay the bills.
1: Yeah, um, this is, uh, it does count as a job or I thought it was a job going in. It was for, I was like 17. I just moved to Edinburgh. I was in first year and I had no idea what I'm doing. So I signed up to work with some like charity door to door company. Um, I think they were raising money for deaf children or something sad and we were just basically, we are all put in a car and driven out to like Broxburn, Whitburn, all these places and just told to like go around, knock on the doors by ourselves and try to get people of Brock, Broxburn and Whitburn, first of all, to give... 20 30 quid to a charity per month for whatever reason and we got commission off the back of that i think i did that for about two weeks and just felt already really soulless and really depressed uh-huh. and i wasn't good at it either because i'd just go in and have a chat with them and then be like no nah, you don't want to do this and then <laughs> leave and also it's pretty dangerous for a 17 year old girl to just be walking up to houses yeah yeah form like it just was dodgy as all hell so yeah i got out there took like i think i got 50 quid or something for like two weeks of work as well so was like i'm leaving this is not for me so they were just like oh well fine see you and it was like a pyramid thing as well so oh yeah one of those
0: schemes yeah really dodging and then
1: they had a team and then they had a team and then yeah just money just kind of trickled upwards basically i got absolutely nothing but i'm sure somebody else did very well with my two weeks of work huge turnover no surprise so yeah that was the worst one oh god Don't
0: do it. <laughs> <Don't> do <it. laughs> That's a bad one, to be fair. Pyramid schemes are bizarre. I don't, I still don't quite understand. They're one of those things you see come up a lot. And you're like, what the fuck is a pyramid scheme. Then it's like, yeah. It's the
1: whole like be your own boss thing. Like they make you buy like anywhere between like a grand to twenty grand worth of their products, and then you've got to shift them. Basically, basically so the person yeah. who got you into it made the money. Then you've got to shift them, and the main objective of all of them is rather than shifting the products, get more folk to buy into it. Basically, so it's not a good yeah, at all.
0: just a massive con. Just a, just massive, con. Just a yep. massive con, basically. Just so, con. if avoid, you learn anything avoid. today, if you learn anything today, listeners, it's uh, avoid pyramid schemes as well. Yeah. There you go. Or
1: MLMs, because they're sometimes called that <laughs> as well. So just avoid both of those things.
0: Yeah. Entirely. Uh, well, Fiora, thank you very much for your time. I really, really appreciate uh, you, chatting to us. Um, I just have one more question for you, which we sort of get all our guests to. I know you've given some great advice throughout this episode as well, especially to avoid pyramid schemes. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> so but, relevant. Yeah, I but it's so important.
0: <laughs> but do you what sort of advice would you offer anyone who maybe wants to be a magician, wants to get into the arts in general? Like, what would you sort of say to them?
1: Yeah, start just immediately. Just find people who are doing the same thing as you or want to do the same thing as you or even people who are like much further along than you and reach out and ask for help and ask for advice and don't think you have to figure it all out on your own like because that's not I don't think that most musicians would agree they are musicians because somebody's kind of showed them how to do it or someone inspired them to do it at the very least so I'd say don't be worried about reaching out to people don't be shy about releasing your own music as well because it can be a really good learning process and it's The only way you are going to learn, because if you just don't release anything and just keep it all for yourself, then it's just going to stay the same, I guess. Music should be written for you, I guess, and that's fine. But if you want to grow and get better than other people chipping in, again, this whole collaboration thing is the only way you're going to really get better at it. And, oh, that was the other thing I was going to say, because I did think about this question a bit before coming on. (laughs) Um, There's periods where you will have no money coming in at all so learn to sort of hibernate your money a bit so take it put it in savings and make sure it's there because if I hadn't done that before the pandemic I don't know what I'd be doing now but I I might be dead so yeah save a lot of your money if you can if it's possible like even just a tiny bit just so you have some kind of safety net I cannot stress that enough because it's when everything just shuts down like it did this last year it does show you like, yeah, because my husband didn't take that advice and he does tour guiding. He'd made so much money over the summer, and he's like, I'm rich as anything, and I'll just spend it all. I'm like, No, that's not what you do. You take the lucrative bit and you put it away for when it's less like that. So, yeah, you don't know where money's coming from, so no, take it and save it.
0: Definitely, it's like I think that applies to most uh, creative jobs. And yeah. something we got hammered into as a uni, which I think is a great advice, is always try and have three months' wage. Mm-hmm. saved always trying to at do. least have three months of wages uh, uh, if you can which i appreciate is very difficult to do for people but it's something i've always very very tried to like be very careful with so that's yeah. very good advice i you like thank you very much for give, uh, giving up no your, Sat- your saturday morning afternoon for us <laughs> i appreciate your time um you're doing a great job in with well, like showcasing local talent and music and stuff so i wish you all the best with that as well and thank you for your insights today
1: thanks for having me it was really really fun and yeah, thanks for your fun questions.
0: <laughs> I hope they were. I hope they were. Yeah. No, I don't know why. I've never used the word fun question" so many times in my life. I don't know what that was about.
1: It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Tell me about your trauma. It'll be fun. No, thank you, James. It was really, really fun. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I'd like to thank Fiona once again for chatting to us. I really, really enjoyed my conversation with Fiona. And if you're interested in finding out a bit more about her work, her music... Some of the projects like Cover to Cover that she's been involved in. There's links to that in the show notes. As always, as well, if you are enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Can also help us grow by telling other people to listen. So if you have friends and family you think might enjoy the podcast, please consider recommending it to them. Word of mouth is our most powerful tool, and we don't have a lot of money. We can't afford advertising and things, so that goes so so far in helping us continue to grow. You know, we're putting. Lots and lots of work into this podcast. We want people to hear our work. We want we want people to to hear what we're doing and get behind this uh, this project and what we're all about. So that goes so so far. So if you're able to do that, that would be much appreciated. And of course, we're aware it's a very very difficult time at the moment. We're in a pandemic. But if you can afford to donate as little as a uh, one pound a month to our Patreon page, we'd be forever grateful. And the money we make goes back into the running of the podcast to make it as good and as enjoyable a podcast as it can be. But anyway, wherever you are in the world, I hope you're well. Thank you very much for listening And we'll be back again next Tuesday With another episode of Just Get a Real Job
1: Just get a real job